0: I'm Jeff Cook and I'm TJ Wilson, and this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly, I'm taking my time. All I like talking is starting to rhyme. I'm letting go, of lonely, letting go of strife. I just can't get enough of this beautiful life. The Enneagram. It's a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us. It helps us look at the way we look at everything else. And sometimes the Enneagram is used to dissect movie characters and villains and the stories that we love best and that we see ourselves in. And so that's where we're going today. We are looking at villains because sometimes our worst self comes out in the villains that we love most. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher, pastor, and writer in Greeley, Colorado, and with me is T.J. Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram Ninja. Hello. My man. Hey. We're tackling our first villain today. Yes.
1: This one's so fun.
0: We're going to start with some ones, because who's one? Just start at the top.
1: Yeah. Technically, nines are at the top, but it's fine.
0: I guess that's true. (laughs) (laughs) So there is one of my favorite YouTube channels is called Cineflix, and they do top 10 lists. And one of their lists was on villains. And what they do on their top 10 lists is they not only give you the top 10 of something, for example, the top 10 villains, but they categorize the top 10 types of that something. Hmm. So the top 10 best fight scenes might have number seven, sword fights, and then they give you the best sword fight.
1: Oh,
0: sure. Um, and, that, and so anyway, when they got into villains, they started out, and their number 10 was just pure evil. So you sure. imagine that villain who all they want is control, domination, and they are going to destroy everything in their path. Sure, yeah. Now, you and I like some of those villains. That's,
1: yeah, that's true.
0: Do you have a favorite character that that describes okay. in this movies? Is-
1: I recognize how controversial this is, but I love me some Palpatine. Come on! I just now I, we talked a little bit about your love with Palpatine I love before. Palpatine as a character, I still have yet to make it all the way through the final movie again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen it once. I have not made it all the way through uh, because it's really, really hard to sit through. Uh, <laughs> but I love Palpatine so much. So
0: he's one of my there favorites. You go. When I was a young lad, um, I really got into the He-Man.
1: This mm, yeah, is like
0: first grade, second grade, Jeff. Yeah, and the sinister laughter of Skeletor, mm-hmm. the skull-faced bodybuilder who lives in Castle Grayskull.
1: Yeah,
0: was just a great villain for me. That's a great <laughs> it's one. Just, yeah. just pure evil. You know, he's yep. not fighting for anything other than to control yep. whatever that world just was called. Be in charge like a or something like that sure so did you ever get into the masters of the universe
1: i did but not for very long
0: they remade those they had mm-hmm. a great cartoon got sure. no traction at all sure. not exactly sure what happened there yeah and Come then on. of course the dolph Lundgren
1: movie is the incredible <laughs> and amazing <laughs> and awesome totally movie is. that i really need to see again <laughs> Because I only this have this really great vision of it in my head, and I know yeah. for sure that it's not that good. it's
0: b movie <laughs> gloriousness. Yeah. it's like what you would watch at a middle school party Friday night, and by party, I mean me and four other guys in a two pound bag of m sure. <laughs> and ms yeah, you said party that's a is that does that count that's as a party, a party? <laughs>
1: yeah
0: <laughs> all right, so we are jumping into the ones today. Now, there was a great list. I'm going to cite it next time. I've I've forgotten the author. But they did a list on Enneagram villains, and they gave each of the types a name. And when talking about ones, they described this character as ordered insanity. Hmm. And some of the ones who we typed as villains who are ones were Agent Smith from The Matrix. Yeah. Excellent. Amon Goeth from Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. Ed Rooney from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Perfect. Yep. Uh, you got some classics like Javert from Les Mis. Great.
1: All black. And, and green. yeah,
0: I believe it's the case. Last time we talked a little bit about Dolores Abernathy. Yeah. And her oneness that comes out in Westworld.
1: Yeah. But but we still didn't talk about it that much because you have not finished season three yet. <laughs>
0: because I'm messing with your spoilers. I'll mention a couple of choice quotes from each of these characters at the end, just because they're kind of fun. Once we play out this theory, we can say, notice how this plays out in these other five characters. But you and I decided on our favorite.
1: Yep. Our favorite one villain. It is the one and only Annie Wilkes from Misery, played by the incomparable Kathy Bates.
0: Annie Wilkes, one of two Stephen King villains that made our list. Yeah. You a Stephen King guy?
1: I have, I've read a handful of his books. I appreciate how incredible he is. And his book on writing is one of the best books I've ever read. And I do not care for horror at all. So he's got some other stuff. He does but i mean his his writing style is is such that like it yeah it's horror it's it comes across that yeah. way
0: yeah man I, that's all i read from fifth grade to 10th grade it's sure. just the stephen king canon yeah i love needful things yeah. needful things is a very long book and it doesn't get all the love that the stand and it get but needful things is just glorious sure anyway um how about movies? Do you, do you watch Stephen King movies? And of
1: course, I've seen yeah. many of his movies.
0: Oh, okay. And, so not the books, but the movies are okay.
1: Uh, I And even the movies, like a lot of it is so much of his canon is horror. Yeah. Um, so I, I love a lot of the stuff that isn't. Uh, a lot of the stuff that... Uh, I mean, just like he he, I feel, is a classic thing to point to of how the book is almost always better true so many of his movies like the book yeah. is just like as good as the movie could be the book is just better yeah so
0: the there's a fa- there's a famous story of uh rob reiner picked up one of his short stories called the body mm-hmm. and he made it into a uh movie about four teenage boys going to find a body and mm-hmm. it got named stand by me stephen king had had like 15 of his movies, or books made into movies. Mm -hmm. And when the movie ended, Stephen King got up and left. And he composed himself for 15, for 15, 20 minutes, and then he came back in. And he said to Reiner, after getting himself together, you're the first person who's made one of my books into a movie, like essentially. Mm, <laughs> like sure, this yeah. was This was so Im- important to me to be able to see yeah. my vision on the screen. I've never had it happen before. And he sure. had all these other movies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> made of his stuff. Yeah. So Misery. Did you ever read Misery?
1: I read parts of Misery. But yeah. uh, most of my reading of Stephen King happened when I was younger than I should have. So That's <laughs> yeah. that what, actually wait, what, what could be why that? I don't like horror is because I, re- I read <laughs> Stephen King when I was too young.
0: I just should not have started when I was eight. Seriously. Was <laughs> bad
1: news bears.
0: <laughs> so for those of you who aren't familiar with misery, misery is the story of a famous author, Paul Sheldon, who is rescued from a mountain car crash by his number one fan. Your number one fan. He gets in a car crash in like nowhere, Colorado. Um And Paul comes to realize after he wakes up that he is receiving a medical care from a crazy person, right? And that's the story, right? So, um, what do you think of when you think of Annie Wilkes and misery?
1: So I don't want to, I don't want to expose too much of how the rest of our conversation is going to go, but um, I think, I think Annie Wilkes is going to be a really great example of. Needing to explore the motivation and not the behavior, mm. because she so easily comes across as like the type of character who is doing everything that she can for another person. and And I think like the the crux of what we're going to be sort of debating throughout this is is that I think that she easily comes across as a two. Yeah. Like a really, really dominant, overpowering two character. Uh, Sure. But you see, like as she as you explore why she's doing what she's doing a little bit more, like you start to see this really interesting piece behind her behavior that like like she so desperately wants to do good. She wants she wants to be good and help him improve himself yep and the crazy part is the part that attaches herself to him mm.
0: yeah that's gonna get exposed as uh, real early on actually yeah. in as we as we get into this there's a bunch of quotes yeah uh, on exactly that front, on yep. doing good and her motive yep for helping this person for helping quote unquote right <laughs> <this> person right <laughs> um my favorite thing about Misery in this character actually comes from, a, uh, from on writing. Um, Stephen King spends a ton of time on misery mm-hmm. in his book on writing because half of that book is, is essentially an autobiography. If you, if you get a chance to read it, um, he spends the first half on kind of his story. Um, and he says uh, when he wrote this book, he starts this short story, and all of a sudden this character, Annie Wilkes, takes over. And he realizes he's the author in the story, mm. and this character is his drug addiction. Mm, yeah. And he starts, he starts picturing his drug addiction as this horrible nurse who is feeding him, and he can't escape. Mm. And so um, real early on in the book, Misery, uh, King writes this. He says, 10 days after emerging from the dark cloud, Paul Sheldon discovered three things all simultaneously— the first was that Annie Wilkes had a great deal of Novaril, which is the drug in, in the book. She had, in fact, a great many drugs of all kinds. The second was that he was hooked on Novaril. And the third was that Annie Wilkes was dangerously crazy.
1: Hmm. Ah! <laughs> that's, that's such a good line. Spectacular.
0: Super villainous one. Yeah. Image of drug addiction. And the abuse it rots
1: on a person. Awesome.
0: Uh, by the way, Ca- uh, Kathy Bates.
1: When we, we talk we? about how great Kathy Bates yeah, is, yeah, let's second. do.
0: Tell tell me what you think.
1: That's that's all. I, she's just <laughs> unbelievable. the The range of of personality that she displays in this yeah. movie alone is, oh, gosh, she's so good.
0: I heard something to the extent, I kid you not, that they had Julia Roberts earmarked at the beginning Ugh. as the the actress they wanted to play this role. <laughs> so glad it wasn't
1: Julia Roberts.
0: <laughs> Kathy Bates is the only actor to get an Academy Award for a Stephen King movie hmm. as an actor.
1: Um fun fact. So um I mean James Caan is excellent, but also a little bit disposable. Like like I the if it weren't Kathy Bates like, yeah. she carries the whole story. Ooh. I th- I
0: wait, like. wait, wait. You think that James Caan is just kind of a, a side it? I think he's, he's great
1: in this role, but I feel like anyone could have done that.
0: Oh, I see. When I see James Khan, he always strikes me as so confident and powerful mm. in, in, in his movies and roles, and even in some parts of this movie, in the fact that he is absolutely out of control. In this situation. Sure. That he just has no power really, mm-hmm. aside from trying to be as, you know, as, as sneaky as possible. Right. Just terrifies me. Sure. <laughs> yeah. There's there's something you're a body type. I mean, there's something <laughs> about control that is just yeah. removed in this situation. Yeah. Oh. Uh, let's talk about Enneagram ones and as a symbol of drug addiction. Okay. That would not be the first number that I would pair with if if I was personifying. Like as you know, I have a severe cocaine addiction, and it really gets me in trouble sometimes. But that, that was explains a joke, but so, really so
1: much. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's
0: my behavior is now. Never mind. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't think of Enneagram ones
1: as the symbol of drug addiction. Well. I mean that, that's the that's the thing though like like if you move to the unhealthy side of your security point, ah, that's where you get the drug addiction. Oh, okay, come on. One's moved to seven security. This is a place where, on the good side, on the healthy side, they get a little bit of freedom. They get a little bit of, of joy. They get um not really necessarily needing to do all like to fix all the things or to to follow the rules so they get some spontaneity. and when they go there in unhealthy ways, they get all of the bad parts of that. Yeah, that's good so you, so you don't commit to things you don't do you know do the right thing in the right places. Uh, you don't follow the rules and and most importantly, One's going to seven in unhealthy ways pick up really destructive behavior for themselves. Mm-hmm. They pick up things like this is the place where ones get alcoholism and drug addiction. Yep. It's the unhealthy side of seven. So
0: let's apply that to this character just in broad strokes. Is Annie Wilkes a one? Some stuff that stood out to me there is an untempered perfectionism. Right. In the, that we see in this character right uh very aware of control
1: mm-hmm. very aware of rules and boundaries mm-hmm. and a and certain kind of perfectionism yeah talk about like, it. like a certain uh, to a certain degree like she's she's trying to do everything right according to her standards yeah so yep, like yep. this is this is a thing that that you can see in ones is that they're not doing the right thing according to the standards or someone else's standards they're doing the right they're doing whatever they think according to their own standards which they might mistake as the standards correct it's yeah.
0: not a my way like an eight would be this is this is the way it's going to be right it's the rightness is there certainly everyone can see that this uh <laughs> this, this romance novelist has done something terrible to humanity by killing off his most famous character
1: right and clearly it's, it's, everybody can see this. Yeah. It's not that, and she can't also can't tell that like it, she's upset because her favorite character is gone. Yeah. But what she, the way that she transcribes that in her own head is that misery should, doesn't deserve to die.
0: God came to me and told me that you exactly. need to resurrect. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Very aware of the judgments of other people. Mm-hmm. which seems to me to be a one characteristic. Um, real early on in the movie, she asks permission to read Paul's new book, which she found in his briefcase accidentally. Right. So there's rules there. We're going right. to make sure that we do everything right.
1: Right. Almost every other type, and that's not true, most of the other types would have just <laughs> read it themselves. Like right. that dude was out for two straight days Right. I would have read the book already.
0: <laughs> just, he's, he's under an overall. Come on. Yeah. She has a lot of joy at having her ideals realized. Mm-hmm. There's a dancing scene in the movie. Um, and it's just like, oh, this is her happiness. Mm-hmm. It's everything is right with the world. Yeah. Um, in the movie, she's very clean at first. Uh, cross is very prominent on her like black sweater. Mm-hmm you know, it's like just this image of everything in its place.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and like, like looking at his house, at her house as she's exploring it. Yeah. When he escapes and he starts exploring oh, her true. house, like, yep. like everything is in place except that she lives alone in the yeah. middle of nowhere.
0: <laughs> right. True. And the, you'll, you'll remember this. Uh, he accidentally knocks over a penguin. Yeah. And puts it, uh,
1: in the wrong it face, the wrong direction, direction. because it always it, faces due south. Talk about that with ones. Well, like like there is a specific way that it's supposed to be. It it right. it it faces south for a reason, and if it's not facing south, it's out of place.
0: Yes. And she knows that he's out because of her perfectionism.
1: Right. You right. see it there,
0: and of course she has lunatic outbursts of anger mm-hmm. and they almost entirely come when her ideals aren't realized. Right. Uh, at one point she says, the main reason I've never been more
1: popular is because of my temper. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and, and so that that's, that pretty firmly puts her in the, in the body triad. Um, eights are much more likely to have anger come out of them in conflict situations, not in these w- weirdly inappropriate ways, like her. Yeah, um, nines and ones both like that anger will come out in inappropriate ways, but for for nines, we're more likely to have anger come out of us sideways. Like it'll be really passive aggressive, or if it bursts out of us, it'll be at something that does not deserve anger at all. Yep. But for ones, like this, it it's like there's there's a tinge of resentment behind each of her big outbursts.
0: There it is. All right, you want to get into this movie? Mm-hmm. All right, so for we're gonna actually jump the the first 30 minutes are kind of setting up the scene which we've just talked about. There's a couple of interactions with, with Annie. that are strange, but they're calm. and Paul is looking for a way to get out and call someone. And Paul has written all kinds of books about Misery Chastain, who, as we said before, is Annie's favorite character. And just before the accident, Paul wrote a book based on his uh, experiences as, as a kid, about you know, slum kids, and he was waiting. On the publication of the last misery novel to kind of just be done with that whole season. And he was gonna do some real work in his mind. Um, and that's when Paul gets in the car wreck. And here's what Paul knows that Annie doesn't he knows that he's killed off misery in childbirth, and he needs to get out of this house before she reads that book. And he gets the new book, wakes Paul up one evening and that's when like the you know the camera goes up you see her face there's like lightning and annie says you you
2: dirty bird how could you she can't be dead misery chastain cannot be dead
0: and paul already has the excuse in mind Annie, in 1871 women often died in childbirth but her spirit is the important thing, and Misery spirit is still alive. And he's trying to reason with her. Mm-hmm. We don't reason. I don't want her
2: spirit! I want her! And you murdered her! I thought you were good, Paul.
0: There's, the, there's the, a very right-wrong, justice-oriented character. Yeah.
2: But you're not good. You're just another lying old dirty birdie. And I don't think i better be around you for a while. And don't even think about anybody coming for you. Not the doctors, not your agent, not your family, because I never called them. Nobody knows you're here. And you better hope nothing happens to me. Because if I die, you die.
0: Boom, door shuts. And here we go.
1: Oof. What do you see here? So she, like, like such an interesting person turn like this is this is the first moment where we start to really know that like he's in very serious danger with her like it seems like she sums off for most of the rest of the film but uh like this is the first time where it's like uh-oh he's she's gonna kill him she's gonna kill him Yep. and her reaction is so like this is the wrong thing like it's not that she does not recognize that that she is obsessed with misery she thinks that it's wrong that misery should die in this way and she will not accept any of his reasons or the fact that his character is someone that he doesn't want to write anymore Mm. like he does not have agency in this situation misery must exist
0: yes he has spoiled her happy place here like what else does she have but these romance right. novels? Yeah. Very what I saw here is this is her reactive side is coming out here. Mm-hmm. Something bad has happened to the ideals that I have, the the vision I have for her or what I want the world to be like and my, my life to be like, and this person has destroyed it. And then the anger just that's where the anger starts spilling over. Right. Her her anger at herself comes out in other scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but here is the real unhealthy. I don't know if you'd call this
1: frustration. What
0: type of anger is this?
1: For for me, what I see is that like like if you really think about the whole character of Annie Wilkes, like this is all she has. Yeah. And also she's crazy. So <laughs> so like he is taking a, this away from her, and and it's a resentment in that way. It's that mm. it's that like she will in essence be a little bit more alone. Yeah. If this happens. Oh. Sure. Oh, That's interesting.
0: When, uh, when she returns we see how she acts when things don't go her way and this is again a place where her one side comes out.
2: I have a big surprise for you. But first there's something you must do.
0: You don't know, suppose I could have a little snack
3: while well, I'm waiting for the surprise.
2: I'll get you everything you want. You must listen first. Sometimes my thinking is a little muddy. I accept that. That's why I couldn't remember all the things they were asking me on the witness stand in Denver. But this time I thought clearly. I asked God about you, and God said, I delivered him unto you so that you may show him the way.
0: You should always, by the way, trust it when people t- t- tell you what God's plan for your life is. Right. It's, a, it's, a, it's right. how you know that that's that's really what... God. Yeah. <laughs> especially when they use King James language. (laughs) (laughs) She exits, re-enters, wheeling in an outdoor barbecue. Uh, She has a handful of items in her arms, including, you know, matches and lighter fluid. And most notably, Paul's manuscript that he is, is really his first book about his childhood. Right. And she insists they burn it. What do you
1: see here? Well, this is one of the moments that, um, anyone who would argue that she's a two, like this is one of the places where they might gain some footing mm-hmm. uh, because it seems like she is trying to help him, but trying to help him in the way that she thinks he needs help, not like what's actually helpful to him. Yeah, like There's there's some very unhealthy two-ishness about mm-hmm. how she behaves, particularly in this scene. And like I think that that does stand out to me a lot. But tying in the "God told me to do this" factor is like like she's she's not she's clearly not trying to help him. She thinks that that this is God telling her to do this, mm-hmm. and you move into crazy one territory there.
0: <laughs> there is something about I mean, obviously she can have a wing. Mm-hmm. The searching for the right thing to do not only for yourself, but for others. Mm. You have power in the world right now. You have she has total control. So it's actually the case that the only thing she needs in order to make the world right is simply to convince the person in front of them. And then your ideals are going to be met. Right. And that's going to be easy. I have, because she has total control. The helping is kind of secondary, isn't it? Right. I think that Paul is a secondary person. She loves him quote unquote, but not really right. she loves the experiences that he delivers, right, and the way that I mean paul is in some ways well i don't I haven't thought about this is Paul her drug could be
1: yeah you know what I mean well uh, misery is her drug,
0: yeah, yeah, and he's the dealer, and right. you're gonna give me the experience that I right. want
1: right, and if mm. if she was looking to be like if if two-ishness was her motivation, then she would want him to be comfortable and content and happy and all that. Like, that's that's not what she's trying to do. She's trying there to make it him is. better.
0: Yes. Yeah. She is trying to improve him, yeah. and that's what the lighting the manuscript's about. Right. Yeah, talk about a, how a two would, would a two want their author that they've imprisoned to be comfortable? You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you started down that path. I, I liked where you were going there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like like they, they would be trying to do everything they can to make sure that person is content, comfortable, um, has everything that they might need, and like what can I get for you? Mm-hmm. Like very very giving in that way.
0: Annie Wilkes seems like she's real aware of her own feelings about things, which doesn't strike me as two-ish. Sure. She doesn't seem like I shut down my feelings in order to... Serve the people around her, sort of person. I think she's real aware of her feelings, or feel she certainly is feeling her emotions, taking the world in.
1: Yeah, she's not. I'm. I'm not positive that she's like cognizantly aware of her true feelings, Uh but I don't think that she's distancing herself from them the way that twos normally would. That's what I mean. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, there's also a uh, a
0: great little enneagram. Easter egg here where she says, Sometimes my thinking is a little muddy. Yeah. Yep. That that could be uh, some some of the you know psychological issues she has. But if you want to read the thinking repression in there, yep. that's what ones, I, did. Yeah. I suppose for ones and twos that would be true. That doesn't help. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um so Paul starts writing his new misery novel to bring this character back to life and He thinks he's done a fine job. He hands Annie the first draft. is what this this crazy person wants from me. She comes in. She's all business.
2: I'm sorry, Paul. This is all wrong.
0: Paul is like, this doesn't happen to me. What?
2: You'll have to do it over again. It's not worthy of you. Throw it all out, except for that part of naming the gravedigger after me. You can leave that in.
0: (laughs) That's so good. Paul is interesting here. He says,
1: I really value your criticism. Like he cares about this this work. There's a little bit of sarcasm, but he has to really downplay it to make sure she doesn't (laughs) murder him. (laughs) But maybe we're being a little hasty here. Paul, what you've written
2: just isn't fair. Not fair. That's right.
0: And here comes the strong sense of justice. Right
2: when i was growing up in bakersfield my favorite thing in all the world was to go to the movies on saturday afternoons for the chapter plays cliffhangers i know that mr man they also call them serials. i'm not stupid you know
0: doesn't want to be judged they especially for for being unintelligent right
2: anyway my favorite was rocket man and once it was a no breaks chapter and the bad guys stuck him in a car on a mountain road, and knocked him out and welded the doors shut and tore out the brakes and started him to his death. And he woke up and tried to steer and tried to get out, but the car went off a cliff before he could escape. and it crashed and burned, and I was so upset and excited. And the next week, you better believe, I was first in line, and they always start with the end of the last week. And there was Rocket Man trying to get out. And here comes the cliff. And just before the car went off the cliff, he jumped free, and all the kids cheered! But I didn't cheer. I stood right up and started shouting.
0: There's your one side again. It's like, <laughs> right. you know, it's like everybody else thought this was the greatest thing ever. But I have this this quibble about how it was told.
2: This isn't what happened last week. Have you all got amnesia? They just cheated us. This isn't fair. He didn't get out of the cock a car.
0: Sheldon pauses and says...
3: They always cheated like that
1: in um, chapter plays.
0: And of course, Wilkes makes him start writing the work again. Right. Uh, so, what, what do you see there?
1: The like her her attention to like not cheating. Yeah. In the storytelling. There's like, rules here. There's there's rules, and and like you already set out this, and you can't just change it without addressing the fact that it was this. Yep. And like that's 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 what she talks about with with the story of misery. Like the the reason that this isn't working is because him bringing misery back to life didn't follow the rules that he had already set out. Yep. And like nerds online are doing this all the <laughs> time right now about continuity. Like this is this is a thing that people argue about. And and for Annie, it's a ruinous experience. You cannot break the rules that you've already written. And like that perfectionism, but also like really rule following. Like you have already said this is how it is. You can't just go back on that.
0: There's a singularness about ones at times where they're willing to be the only person who says something and says something boldly Mm -hmm. about the justice issue in front of them.
1: Yep. Stands up in front of a room full of her peers and. Calls them out. Yeah. Everyone else enjoyed it. And she's like, no, wait a second. That's not how it worked. Do you all have amnesia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She never uses
0: profanities as well. The right. a Duty car is such a great like image of her getting angry. Right. Yet not using profanities.
1: Or like she's just really bad at them. Like, well, they, like yeah. I have a friend who does not know anything about drugs. And okay. so every time this person talks about <laughs> drugs, it's like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, do you? <laughs> and that's that's what her swearing is like. It's like she, she doesn't know how to do it because she's sort of obsessed with not swearing, you know?
0: <laughs> this is- this is person, me because I actually have to oh, sell yeah. something to the rear. Whenever yeah, I, I owe TJ money, have, I'll have like a $10 bill in my hand and I'll go up to him and I owe him the 10 bucks, but I don't just say, Here's the 10 bucks. I have to pretend like it's a, it's a drug deal of some sort, right. but I've never you purchased. Nose,
1: you got the stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. See, I don't know that. I like <laughs> put it in my palm as though I'm all sneaky and he looks at me like I'm an idiot. It's like, this is how man. people
1: buy drugs anymore.
0: This isn't how it works. <laughs> It's However, like that in the
1: movie sometimes, but <laughs> I real right. it's fine.
0: But I do know how to throw a baseball.
1: That's true. I um, don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: so <laughs> security side comes out when misery comes back. She tells this whole story. She recounts what happens in the book that Paul has written and how there's, you know, uh, the misery had a bee sting and made her unconscious. She gets out of the grave, because somebody remembers that these sorts of things happen in her family history, and all of a sudden this works for her. And then she starts dancing.
2: Misery's alive! Misery's alive! Oh, it's so romantic! Oh, this whole house is going to be filled with romance! I'm going to put on my Liberace records.
1: Nothing says romance like Liberace. (laughs)
0: Liberace!
1: Uh. Here
0: is the security. And we're talking about the low side of security. She right. clearly is at her high point of euphoria in this moment. Mm-hmm. She has gotten her ideal vision of the world, which is what her type desperately wants. Mm-hmm. How is uh, What do you see here with the low side of security?
1: Well, I think that um, like throughout a lot of this story, she exists in a fairly secure place because, like, she is the one that's in control. She has her favorite author of her favorite character in her house, and he's going to write her a new book, and she gets to be the first one to read it. And and so, like, all of this, I think all of the story showcases a little bit, like, what security can look like for her character. But this is one of the first moments where we see a little bit of the other part of security, which is, like, the joy, the... um like the the dancing is is really interesting to me because she's not like when she's talking about her pig, her sow mm-hmm. and and when she is like in this moment and then a little bit when they're at dinner like these are these are the only times where you see like like real vibrant displays of emotion from her. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's almost a like childlikeness, and, and like she, like she comes alive in ways that like you expect this from sevens in their normal life, but you don't necessarily see it as much in a lot of ones. Like they don't, they don't come to life in that way when they're just like doing their normal daily stuff. It's, it's when they move into places of, of real security that like that, Expression comes out. Yeah.
0: The joy has been achieved mm-hmm. at seven and it's been done in a horrendous way. Right. A very uh vicious villainous way. She has broken the rules. You can't kidnap people. <laughs> you right. Can't, you can't force them to burn their 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 story about their own childhood mm-hmm. in front of them. These are rules that are much worse than Rocket Man, you know, not getting out of the cock a duty car. Right. Like, this is actually doing damage to to a human personality, and there's the low side. She's in security. Having broken the rules, the rules don't apply to her anymore in Mm -hmm. order to get the things that she wants in order to achieve the joy that she craves. Sure. I'd be really
1: curious with her, like, what would have happened if she had not found out that secu- that misery died in the last book mm. or if misery hadn't died in the last book. Like might yeah. obviously there's, there's some real, like real damage and real crazy person kind of stuff going on with her. But like, like might he have had a chance to actually get back home if right. misery hadn't died? Yeah. Because I think this is, this is one of the things to point to with about what one's going to the low side of seven do is is they start to sort of forsake the rules as applied to themselves in order to impose rules on others yeah 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 it's so like like she is comfortable breaking rules that she knows are not okay in order to improve someone else yeah So like i wonder if if misery hadn't died, if she could have gotten if Paul would have gone home, you know, Mm -hmm. but she's content keeping him as her prisoner because misery needs to live on. Yeah. We had
0: mentioned this with our first podcast on ones that there's an ends
1: justified, the means Mm -hmm. temptation for ones at this point. Right. Yeah. So the, yeah, this exuberance at getting what she wants like, it, it almost, it, it makes it okay that she's breaking all these other rules.
0: Yeah. She's all about no profanities, no profanities.
2: The swearing, Paul.
0: The, uh, the profanity bothers
3: you.
2: It has no nobility.
3: Everybody talks like that.
2: They do not? What do you think I say when I go to the feed store in town? Oh, now, Wally, give me a bag of that effing pig feed and ten pounds of that bitchly cow corn. In the bank, do I tell Mrs. Bollinger? Oh, here's one big bastard of a check. Give me some of your Christing money.
0: But when, he, when, when he sets the manuscript on fire at the end, and then mm-hmm. hits her with the typewriter, she just yeah. yells out. I'm gonna kill you, you lying god sucker. And
1: then it's so yeah. funny. <laughs> it's like just, what? <laughs> like. That might be the worst thing that's said in the <laughs> entire film. totally is. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, whoa. Was, <laughs> it's those.
0: Stephen King's really good with those kinds of profanities that yeah. they're not just the common ones. They're like these ones that are slightly off that have yeah. some real ravenous heart to them. Yeah. <laughs> so moving further into the low side of security, we said last time that from the low side of security, one's, unconstrained by rules and boundaries like sevens may turn their judgmentalism on others and point out the defects of others, making them feel tainted and flawed. Got any thoughts on that with this, this character?
1: I think like seeing the way that she approaches, like we only really see her interact with Paul ever, but seeing the way that she approaches how he does things like, mm-hmm. like each moment that she, that he does something that she doesn't like, it's like she spills soup because he made her angry. Look what you yes. made me do. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there's, like it's, there's it's always turned against him that he yeah. did something wrong.
0: Let's talk about that. Cause I see that in myself quite a bit. It's both. I'm angry at the person. I'm also angry at myself for messing up. Mm-hmm. She messes up in that scene where she spills the soup. Yeah. She knows it's an error. She's yep. spilled soup on her favorite author. Yep. <laughs> and yet she immediately goes to blame yeah. him and judge him for look at what you made me do. I didn't make the error. There's no taint inside right. of me. It was right. clearly your fault.
1: Right. But, like, while in the same breath, acknowledging out loud that she made, made an error. Yes. Yeah.
0: Same story with the paper. There's She buys really expensive paper. She wants mm-hmm. this to be the best. It smudges, and Paul shows her that it smudges. Now, she's made an error, but it's clearly his fault for being too picky right. about the the stuff that he works with. And haven't you realized how much I do for you? There's another kind of two scene there. That right, yeah. There's some like, language there that ha- you haven't acknowledged.
1: But notice that it's it, it's not about acknowledgement. The whole thing is because... She did the wrong thing. How could yeah. she have possibly known that that paper smudges? She got the most expensive one. Yep. Like it is the most expensive one. How like and and so her turn is because she messed up. It's yep. not because he's not appreciative. He didn't even say, "Oh, you messed up." He said, "This paper smudges." But she internalizes that as her own fault. Yep. It's about her somehow. Yeah. She made and, a mistake. And as, as the unhealth expresses itself, she turns that onto him in a way that, like, maybe you should appreciate me more. Yep. Yeah.
0: The move towards ones at the low side of security being unconstrained by rules and boundaries plays itself out in the most famous scene of this whole film,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which, by the way, Bravo called the, it was number 12 on the list of scariest scenes ever, according to Bravo. It's Excellent.
1: And this I is I couldn't where... even watch it all the way through And <laughs> <in> this <laughs> one. You? It's terrifying. I, I've seen it before. It's just awful. It's great. <laughs> I actually
0: did watch it and saw a lot more of the details that I think I had before because the first time I saw it or <laughs> the other times I've seen it, I, I'm sure I closed my eyes.
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: Uh, this time I actually watched. It, I was like, oh, yeah. Apparently, it was it freaked one of them out. Like it really emotionally affected one of them in the I filming so. of this scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Here's the here's the setup. Wilkes has discovered that Sheldon has been out in the house. That he's picked the lock and he's gone out. Now she knows that he has done this a couple times, but this time she calls him out on it. She comes in and she drugs him and she searches his room. And when he wakes up, she confronts him.
2: I know I left my scrapbook out.
0: And that's the turn. He's Mm -hmm. been out in the house before. He realizes the phones are all dead.
1: But this is different.
2: I can imagine what you might be thinking of me.
1: Right. So, talk about just that setup. So, within the scrapbook, we find out all of these, like we. We see all of these mysterious deaths that are somehow connected to her, mm-hmm. that she has put into a scrapbook. Yes. Which obviously means that she's connected to them mm-hmm. and possibly even is a baby murderer. Yep. And now he knows that about her. Obviously if if this stuff was happening in her past it's not new information to her. Mm-hmm. But now he can see that. Now mm-hmm. he knows how bad she is. There
0: is i break rules. Yeah. And I know I
1: break rules. Mm-hmm. Going on
0: with with the killings there in these in this book. Right. She's exposed here. And she knows he's judging her. Right. Her favorite person in the world, or this person who's so important to her, is judging her. Yep. What do you do in that situation as a woman? Right. Right. Oh, that's kind of. So she says.
2: But you see, Paul, it's all okay. Last night it came so clear. I realize you just need more time. Eventually you'll come to accept the idea of being here.
0: these great ideals. Right. which you're going to adopt. <laughs> you just need to get your head around the future.
2: Paul, do you know about the early days at the Kimberly Diamond Mines? Do you know what they did to the native workers who stole diamonds? Don't worry, they didn't kill them. That would be like junking a Mercedes just because it had a broken spring. No, if they caught them, they had to make sure they could go on working, but they also had to make sure they could never run away. The operation was called hobbling,
1: and he places a piece of wood between
0: Paul's ankles.
1: Paul. And then the world <laughs> looks away from the screen. It's, it's like, oh, this, what, what are we listen, doing here? I'm not going to watch this. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> hobbling
0: is. This is where James Caan is fantastic, actually, in this movie. True. He is terrified and trying to keep it together. <laughs> Whatever you think I'm not doing. She picks up the sledgehammer, do and then he starts yelling. And then Wilkes, Wilkes says, Shh, darling. Trust me. God's
2: sake. It's for the best. Eddie, please.
0: Bang. Um, She says, almost done. She slams the other one. So she takes out both of his ankles with the sledgehammer. And then as she walks out.
2: God, I love you.
0: The the last line I've I'm not sure what to think on the last line, aside from she's getting pleasure from the pain gifted this person. I don't what's going on there?
1: To me it's it's um a a deeper level of almost like Anne's justifying the means ideology. Yeah. Because like she needs to keep him there so much and like she just completely destroyed him. But it's okay because she's doing it for love.
0: Yeah, she. I think she's secure right now. Yeah, and this is her low side. Yeah, the rules don't apply to me. I'm realizing the ends. Yeah, They matter most uh, apparently to God and yep. of course to myself. Absolutely. Uh, Stephen King says something to the extent of this: no profanities. Thank you very much. However, you know when your favorite writer tries to get out, you take an axe and hack off. One of his feet. That's actually what happens in the book. Right, yeah. Um, she cuts she, off one of his feet. She yeah. cuts off a foot with an axe, and then she gets out a blowtorch and carterizes it. Mm-hmm. So apparently that <laughs> apparently, that was too much for uh, for the filmmaker, for Rob Reiner. Sure. Rob Reiner, by the way, was the only one who Stephen King said could film this movie. He, he would not sell the rights to anyone else. Huh. When he published this, he said... Reiner and Reiner alone. Rob Reiner, who, by the way, was in All in the Family. His father is Carl Reiner, who's one of the most famous, you know, sitcom comedians ever. Right. Rob Reiner,
1: (laughs) the guy who did Spinal Tap. Right.
0: (laughs) How do you say to yourself, you know who's really going to do well with my horror film of the guy getting his foot chopped off? Yeah.
1: He nailed it, though. He nailed it. He does. It's a good movie.
0: Okay, so a cop finally shows up. Wilkes runs in, drugs Paul, says, I don't think you'll ever... Here's another two-ish kind of moment.
2: I don't think I'll ever understand you. I cook your meals. I tend to you practically 24 hours a day, and you continue to fight me. When are we going to develop a sense of trust?
0: (laughs) Bludgeoned him with a sledgehammer. Um, And as the movie winds down, Paul is nearly done with the misery book. Um, and, and this is when the cop shows up and he's searching the house and Annie puts on an entirely different kind of mask and face. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a one ish kind of thing being able to compose the way she does.
1: Uh, I think that's like part of that is the seven coming out. Okay. Like the seven is, is just like sort of adapting to the situation. Okay. Just like, just like turning into it. And leaning in full whole hog, it's like, okay, mm. yeah, I'll do this, boom and and again, deceit in the name of whatever I think is right,
0: yeah, it's again, yeah, it's again, I'm is it security there? I mean, there's a cop looking for the author in your house, right, is that a place of security that feels like that would be more stressful, you know what I mean?
1: well, she knows she's got she's got him hidden well yeah. enough, yeah.
0: And she, she's also and she's also armed, apparently, because um, she comes and she shoots him in the back and, I and the
1: body falls down. Completely on. forgot about that scene that yeah. that happens. Uh-huh. And like it.
0: Uh, uh. <laughs> I got a good story for me you on this. They're out. they're having the first screening of this movie. Yeah, and all the people are in in the room, and they're watching it for the first time. And this scene is playing out, and a yeah. guy in the back stands up and yells, "Watch out! She's got a gun!" And it's Stephen King. <laughs>
1: Perfect. Yep. Yeah. Did he like? Did he forget that he was the only one who knew the story, or <laughs> actually, in the story, the cop they cut
0: this. She comes out. Um, she had, I think she had buried her cow, which she wouldn't milk and it Uh like bloats and busts open and she buries it with a cross, you know, (laughs) where the cow is buried. And the cop comes out, sees Paul Sheldon in the window. and He's like, Oh, it's you. And then Annie Wilkes. G- walk is behind him. She had grabbed the cross out of the ground. She plunges it into his back, hmm. and he's on the ground, kind of struggling. And Paul's looking at him, and he can't do anything. He's, right, he's right. lost his leg. And and then you hear the sound of a riding lawnmower come from around the corner. Uh. <laughs> and so apparently they thought that was just a little too. I think I read Goofy, like it was too Goofy to fil- <laughs> To uh, film sure. that, that yeah. it wouldn't be believable. <laughs> Annie shoots the cop in the back and says,
2: You see, I've known for some time why I was chosen to save you. You and I were meant to be together forever. But now our time in this world must end. But don't worry, Paul. I've prepared for what must be done. I put two bullets in my gun one for you and one for me. Oh, darling, it'll be so beautiful.
1: You got anything on that? I mean, she's. Man on a mission. (laughs) That's it. Like she's she's chosen to save him. Like it's it's her job. Like like it's 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 her purpose is is to fix him, to save him, to make him better. The idealism
0: that colors this character, Mm -hmm. I think it's the way she overcomes her own deep insecurities. Sure. You know she she is a leper who's been cast out from society. She's living out in the middle of you know the mountains out of middle nowhere. Right. Goes into town only to buy romance novels. Right. But here she says, but of course I have this special purpose. Right. And that's how she gets by in the world. Right. Here's something interesting, because in order to get out of this situation, Paul changes here. And Paul uses Annie's idealism to trap her. And he shifts and he promises to finish the book immediately and says, we need to give misery back to the world.
3: When I finish, I'd like everything to be perfect. I'll need three things.
2: You need a cigarette because you used to smoke, but you quit except when you finish a book and you have just one and the match is to light it. And you need one glass of champagne, Dom Perignon.
0: And Paul doesn't correct her.
3: Dom Perignon
0: it is. Doesn't judge her, goes where she's at. He's learned his lessons. Yeah. Annie, uh, this is after, this is when they're doing the Dom Perignon stuff, but um, she has it all set up. He has the book.
2: Did I do good?
0: There it is. Yeah. She wants to be told that she's good in this moment, and Paul says, You did perfect. There's the oneness. Does a two need that to be good? It would be different, wouldn't it, for a two? Two twos
1: want the attention uh, they don't like it it's not necessarily that they want to be told that they did well at this task it's that they want to be praised for being helpful mm, they, they yeah. may want something similar in that situation but i don't know that a two would say did i do good i think a two might say are you thankful yeah
0: yeah, because that's where it is. Yeah. It's not about the judgment of perfection. Right. They would want to hear something very different from right. the author. Right. But the, but it's, but her her character arc is realized there. Mm-hmm. This is why this. If if we go with the enneagram here, and Typer her is a one, she has at that point gotten exactly what she wants most. Right. What's in, real interesting in the book. Uh, the, some of the typewriter keys start breaking Mm -hmm. and he had pinned the opening, the title page when he first wrote the book or when he first started the book. And then when they show the title page at the end of the book, one of the letters, I think it's the E that breaks. Uh, there's an N that breaks, but then an E breaks Mm -hmm. and on the title page, the E is a, uh, written in also so you mm. know that title page if you're really paying attention you really realize the title page is a uh, is new it's not mm. from the original manuscript and that's sure. one of the interesting things about the book is paul sheldon really wants to keep that book he wrote that book he stuffs it under the bed mm-hmm. and he burns a pile of blank pages but uh, she thinks it's the real book sure Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that is really <laughs> interesting. Because yeah. um, she throws herself on it and then typewriter and smashes her head. Um, but that's it. That's the character arc you did. Perfect. Uh, last thoughts on, on well, this?
1: I also want to draw attention to like the the way that he plays on her idealism. I think this is a pretty consistent one-type behavior from what yes. I've seen is yeah. that, that she believes him. Like, oh, okay. Like not not just that that he he turns and says we need to make everything perfect, but that she trusts that. Like yeah. I've seen that in in so many of my one friends is that that they trust that other people want to do things the way that they think they should do them. Yeah, and and have this sort of idealized version, vision of humanity. Anyone watching that situation should see the way that James Conn, who was just drugged and thrown down the stairs, and just watch her <laughs> shoot a cop in the back with a double barrel shotgun. Right. Immediately says, "You're right. Let's do it your way." Yeah. There's no way to trust that. Like he's yes. lying. He's lying. And, unless and, unless you are the type of person that wants to see what you expect in other people. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah.
0: I hadn't thought about that. Like, that's, that's entirely right. I have these ideals. I'm just looking for other people to share my ideals. If they share my ideals, that's a place of connection. Right. And he can lie to her all
1: day long. Right. But She'll
0: believe it. He he clearly shares the, the ideals. Right. And it's not just the, it's, it's the sense of right and wrong. He right. has agreed with God's plan, with my plan, with the ideals I have. Right. Just all over that character. Right. Bang. Last word before we uh, before we do just a quick through with some other villainous ones. Uh, anything else on this character?
1: Um, we didn't talk about the scene at all, but the, the um the scene where she where it's raining is and another real like real one moment for me where she's disheveled. Yes, because all of a sudden you see her like all of the other times that we see this her her sort of judgment of herself come out it yeah. it comes out uh, turned against him oh. this is one of the first moments where we see her and and this might be entirely due to the brilliance of Kathy Bates because I can honestly can't remember any lines about it but you can see that she feels like she is a terrible person yeah 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 like you, you can you can feel that emanating off of her character. Yeah. He's trying so, to talk her up.
0: Yeah. Because he thinks he's gonna die. Yeah. And didn't she, she have a gun in that situation? Wasn't yes. she gonna
1: yep. yeah, right. that's that's where she talks first talks about the gun. Like she t- sometimes gets it out and thinks about killing herself because she's terrible. Yeah, that's it. Right. Yeah. Because she thinks she doesn't deserve to live. And like it's just yeah, just Kathy Bates is amazing. And also right. that scene was like, oh, she hates herself.
0: Yeah. yeah. Inward anger in deeply unhealthy ways. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's the, uh, I mean, that's the, if you look at Riso and Hudson's kind of lists of deep unhealth, I imagine, I probably pull it out here, but the that's what that's going to look like. It's just right. the self-hatred. Yeah. Uh, and abandoning, at that point, you're abandoning your standards, on the on, in stress. Yeah. Not insecurity. Yeah. It's like I have no more standards for my appearance.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is a real shift from like the 7 that we see throughout most of this film mm-hmm. into the stress of 4.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Boom. All right, you want to talk about some uh Agent Smith who is another great Enneagram 1 villain? Yep. My favorite line from The Matrix is, this again, he's in a position of security. So for those of you who are familiar with The Matrix, Agent Smith has Morpheus chained up in a chair. He's in total control. Right. And and here's his little villain monologue, but it comes out of the security. And he says, I'd like to share a
3: revelation that I've had during my time here. It came to me when I tried to classify your species, and I realized that you're not actually mammals. Every mammal on this planet instinctively develops a natural equilibrium with the surrounding environment, but you humans do not.
0: He's figured out the system,
3: right? You move to an area and you multiply and multiply until every natural resource is consumed the only way you can survive is to spread to another area there is another organism on this planet that f- follows the same pattern a virus human beings are a disease a cancer of this planet you are a plague
0: and we are the cure we're gonna wipe out all of humanity
1: right and it's the, it's the, it's not destruction for destruction's sake. It's not to dominate humanity. It's not yep. any of these things. It's because humanity is like the world is broken and humanity is the problem we're going to fix the problem.
0: Yep. Yeah. So it's a ends justify the means moving right. in. Right. And it comes out of that low side villainous side of security. Right. Okay. Come on. Many of the, you know, the Eradicate everybody, kind of characters. <laughs> apparently, are ones because the next villain I have on my list is Amon Goth from Schindler's List, who I've only seen this movie once. True. I would love to return to it, but I can't get up for it. That's I've watched fair. the it, I've yeah. watched the end of Schindler's List on YouTube at mm. least thirty times. Sure, because I know how the story plays. I so just All can't right. get up for it. So some of this was new for me. In, in that I haven't seen the movie since high school. Yeah. But when Guth arrives, he says this, he's, he's kind of preaching. Kazimierz the Great told the Jews they could come to Krakow. They came, they trundled their belongings into the city, they settled, they took hold, they prospered. In business, science, education, the arts, they came here with nothing. And they flourished. For six centuries, there has been a Jewish
1: cracker. By this evening, those six centuries are a rumor. They never happened. Today is history.
0: Real similar to Agent Smith here.
1: Yeah, he's fixing a problem.
0: Yep. Where this gets interesting, it's the character arc for the villain. He's defending Oscar Schindler and Schindler's relationship with the Jews that uh, Schindler is trying to save. And he's defending Schindler to others, and he says...
3: He likes women. He likes good-looking women. He sees a
1: beautiful woman he doesn't think. I mean, he has so many women. (laughs) They love him. (laughs) Yeah, they they love him. I mean, he's married, yeah, but he's... (laughs) All right, you know, she was Jewish. She shouldn't have done it. But you didn't see this girl.
0: I saw this girl, and this girl was, (laughs) oh,
1: she was very good looking. They cast a spell on you, you know, the Jews. When you work closely with them, like I do, you see this. They have this power. It's like a virus. Some of my men are infected with this virus. They should be pitied, not punished. They should receive treatment, because this is as real as typhus. I see this all the time. It's a matter of money. Like, he's going to mm-hmm. buy people off.
0: Right. Same story here, though, yeah?
1: Right, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, this is so much of Nazism and, and Hitler's whole thing is that, like, the, the Jewish people are a virus and we need to eradicate them in order for the rest of us to survive. There's something about the one here.
0: It's the, I don't want to be infected. Mm-hmm. And if yep. you have bad beliefs about what the infection is. Yeah. These other human beings are the infection. Right. That's just the, do- the wide open door to villainy, to, right. to, to truly horrendous things. Right. Because clearly ones who are then given power and bad beliefs comes out in these characters.
1: Right. And it's okay to do whatever needs to be done to eradicate the problem.
0: Mm. Another controlling one who's a villain is, of course, the
1: Ed Rooney. Excellent. Vince Rooney, yeah.
0: <laughs> My favorite scene with Ed Rooney is when he's in his office. This is exposing the heart of a <laughs> one principal <laughs> in a real unhealthy place. He says, he's talking about Ferris Bueller.
3: I don't trust this kid any further than I can throw him. Well, with your bad knee, Ed, you shouldn't throw anybody. What is so dangerous about a character like Ferris Bueller is he gives good kids bad ideas. Uh-huh. Last thing I need at this point in my career is 1,500 Ferris Bueller disciples running around these halls. He jeopardizes my ability to effectively govern this student body.
0: No spoiling. Got some ideals. Right.
1: (laughs) Ferris Bueller is a virus.
3: Well, makes you look like an ass is what he does, Ed.
1: Thank you, Grace. I think you're wrong.
3: Oh, well, he's very popular, Ed. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wastoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude.
0: There's something about, like, the elevation of this person who right. Ed Roney has clearly shown is a toxin in his school. You know right. what I mean? Right. You're defending the evil that I have been employed to eradicate in this right. system.
1: Right. And... And not really even defending him. Defending him by almost by proving my point. Yeah, he's so popular. He's so like everyone all of the people like him, which in Rooney's eyes is the problem. Yeah. that,
0: that is the problem. She's not <laughs> That's right. And so that's why he says That
3: is why I have got to catch him this time to show these kids that the example he sets is a first class ticket to nowhere. Oh, Ed, you sounded like dirty Harry just then.
0: Really? Uh-huh.
1: I just like that. That image of this character is a one. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. He's just trying to do his job. (laughs) Well, talk about this. Is he, is he a villain? Uh, I think if you ask principals, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you ask kids who like to skip class, then of course he is. He
0: might be breaking some uh, rules later on. Sure. Breaking into people's houses.
1: Right. Right. For
0: example, leaving right. the premises of his school, which he oversees. Yeah.
1: Anywhere. You justify the means. It's fine. Got to catch him.
0: Classic one villain is Javert from Les yep. Mis. Yep. Easy. Um. This is from the movie. I don't know if it's from the... It's the, from the musical. It's not from the book. Yeah. It's the idea. Is that
1: right? Is from the book, but this this direct line is not.
0: Uh, Javert, there, out in the darkness, a fugitive running, fallen from God, fallen from grace. Well, you should be sympathetic to this sort of person. Right. God be my witness. I never shall yield till we come face to face. He knows his way in the dark. Mine is the way of the Lord. Those who follow the path of the righteous shall have their reward. Stars scarce to be counted, filling the darkness with order and light. If you fall as Lucifer fell, you fall in flames, and so it must be, for it is written on the doorway to paradise that those who falter and those who fall must pay the price. Lord, let me find him, that I may see him safe behind bars. I will never rest till then. This I swear, this I swear by the stars. What do you see there?
1: This is, and he's he's such a good representation of certainty in the face of right and wrong without any room for subtlety Mm -hmm. And and that's that's what this whole story is about like a man steals a loaf of bread for because his sister's kids are hungry yeah and he goes to jail, and because he doesn't like jail and he tries to escape, he ends up being there for 19 years. Yeah. He goes to jail for 19 years for stealing a loaf of bread. Right. And so he gets out and... But of and course it's he, wrong. Of course, yeah. I mean, he broke the law. Yes. And he tried to run away, and so he got more time. And that's what Javert's whole attitude. And then he gets out, and he tries... To make a life for himself, but obviously he can't because felons aren't allowed to have lives. Yeah, you're just not. So, so then he le- he he cheats, but then he becomes a mayor and he's he takes care of a ton of other people and mm-hmm. like like his his whole story is about him dedicating his life to taking care of other people. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because he broke the law because he's a runaway from justice and Javert cannot accept that someone broke the law and didn't get their due punishment. Mm. And like, like his, his spoiler alert, he kills himself at the end of the story and his, his suicide. I've, I've had this debate with several people over many years because his suicide is so necessary for his character because when it happens, like what happens is that he recognizes that he cannot exist in a world where there's subtlety. Yes,
0: uh, his his standards of right and wrong are so severe, and he can't get beyond them. Right, because there's clearly there's you know Javert is is very much a Pharisee character who is exceedingly concerned with the small details. Right, but the bigger matters of justice, of grace, right. of envy and rage. These are those are other matters. It's it's right. the rules. Right. And he can't and he can't get past the rules. Right. Well d- d- so talk about the so he understands that he can't get past them and that's why his why he kills himself.
1: That that's my view of it is that that he he meets this moment where like throughout the whole story of him uh, the course of their lives, he's he's chasing after Valjean constantly and he uh-huh. keeps almost catching him and then he finally comes face-to-face with him and he recognizes that, like, here is, here's a fly in the ointment. Here's, here's something that doesn't fit in the world as I have seen it for my entire life. Mm. Yeah. And either, he either has to continue on his path, but now he knows that his path is the wrong one or, like, like he, he cannot come to terms with changing his life. Yeah.
0: There's something about... So, again, moving back to loci of security for ones. Ones who are self-righteous. Well, I follow all the rules. Mm-hmm. That allows the security to seep in. And this is why the pharisaical attitude is so dastardly. Right. It's It's a pride born out of, you know, false it's a false security. Right. Um, but you're living in this illusion. Well, I've done everything yeah. well enough, but these other folks haven't. And therefore I can chase this man down for the, <laughs> the remainder right. of his life. Right. And that's his villainous act. Yeah. Mm hmm.
1: And, and like, he doesn't display the, like breaking the rules for the sake of like where the, and justify the means, but, but like, like singular devotion to holding another person to justice. Mm hmm is something that is throughout his character. Yeah. Yeah. And there it is. Yeah. All right, last one.
0: One of TJ's favorite characters. Okay, so this is just a tease. Dolores from Westworld, Uh fantastic character. Um, at the end, I believe this is of season one. Some people choose to see the ugliness in this world.
2: The disarray. I choose to see the beauty to believe there is an order to our days. A purpose.
0: What's mm-hmm. this? That's a... That just struck me as a very one-ish kind of thing to say. You typed her yeah. as a one, but yeah. here's another quote. Sorry. She's having a, a conversation with one of the other main characters, William. I thought
2: you were t- You're just like all the rest.
3: I'm nothing like the other. I own this world. And I know every trick in it. Except for one last thing. The same thing you were looking for when we first came here. Where is the center of the
0: maze, Dolores? And she starts to cry.
3: Ah, yeah, cue the waterworks. About time you realize the futility of your situation.
2: I'm not crying for myself. I'm crying for you. They say that great beasts once roamed this world as big as mountains, yet all that's left of them is bone and amber. Time undoes even the mightiest of creatures. Just look what it's done to you. One day, you will perish. You will lie with the rest of your kind in the dirt. Your dreams forgotten, your horrors effaced. Your bones will turn to sand, and upon that sand, a new god will walk. One that will never die,
1: because this world doesn't belong to or the people who came before belongs to someone who is yet to come.
0: Ideals. It's again an image that human beings are a virus to be eliminated. Yeah. And she has every reason to judge the sins of the other and to do whatever is necessary to,
1: to destroy it. Right. And and with more certainty of, like, w- with her own sense of certainty of, of what is right and what is wrong.
0: Yeah. Her, yeah, her moral code is going to be all over this character. Right, right. in In terms of her choices and the methods she uses to advance the ideals that she has, yeah?
1: Right, yep. Which we would have so much more to say about if you had finished season 3 yet.
0: <laughs> well, well, we're we're going to come back to this. I'm sure we'll do a a, a one off, three off. That's probably true. Westworld yeah. typing throwdown.
1: They've still got they they're definitely doing a season 4.
0: I suppose that's the case we can't just do so it until everything is we wrapped time. up. Yep. So coming in 2024.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we're
0: going to knock that sucker out. Uh Well, that's it. You got anything else I I I feel like I'm a broken record, but a lot of the one villainous side comes out in breaking the rules for the sake of your ideals. Right. So for right. ones like myself, who are out there, who just want to know what it looks like for you to really go to the dark side.
1: Yeah. Here, here Here's a bunch <laughs> of characters for you. If you want to know whether or not what you're doing is wrong, look at the way that it affects the people around you.
0: Hold... I've heard you say that we should we should hold all things loosely in yeah. other spheres maybe maybe <laughs> ideals maybe ideals can be tempered yeah and as a one i I'll, I'll just let you know that's super easy to do i don't know why that's so uh, difficult for other people <laughs> notice my laughter
1: <laughs>
0: hey friend it would mean the world to us if you took Two seconds, wrote us a brief review, gave us some stars on your podcasting platform of choice. You can find all the links to all of our stuff at aroundthecircle.org. And of course, the best thing you can do is share this episode with one of your friends who is a Stephen King fan and just say, you have to listen to this. Or to one of your friends who's a one who really is villainous
1: and doing all sorts of awful things. Or just a Kathy Bates fan. Kathy well. Bates fan. be fine, yeah.
0: <laughs> Music is by The Collection and Tim Coons, and if you like these pop culture deep dives, you can connect with us on Patreon and give us some recommendations. Uh, hey, TJ.
1: Yeah.
0: You got anything else? I got nothing. Yet. He's TJ Wilson. He's officially awesome. My name is Jeff Cook, and who you aren't isn't interesting. Be who you are, and you'll set the world on fire. Morning
3: will come burning with hope.